Whose motorcycle is this? It's a chopper, baby. Whose chopper is this? Zed's. Who's Zed? Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. <laughs> episode of Ground Control. And it does seem like we're going to go with Ground Control even though the website, which is now up, is wood-paneled space shuttle, space shuttle? Space shuttle, yeah. Dot Tumblr dot com. Yeah, we'll put a link up on the site, but... <laughs> we'll put a link up on the site to our own site. Right. <laughs> so if you can find it, <laughs> if you find this somehow, then you are one of the worthy few who get to You're listen peaking. to it. Sorry, we're having a little bit of technical... We're having a lot of technical difficulties today. Yeah, whoever it was who manufactures netbooks and decided to put the microphone and headphone jack being the same jack on my netbook, I just want to say fuck you. Yeah, it's like a like cell phone style where you need the third prong. And everyone hates the third prong. <laughs> Some people are all about the third prong. <laughs> Considering that they charge for those iPhone headsets. Or I thought you were going somewhere totally different with that. Oh, no, I, I was. That was that was the implication. You're still peeking. Yeah, I don't understand what's going on with that. I think you're projecting now. I'm into my performance voice now. We're over a minute in, and we haven't introduced ourselves, which <laughs> we're actually doing better than last time. So uh... That's true. My name's Adam. I'm not going to give you my last name, because I'm trying to remain Google secret. He's an agent. He'd have to kill me if he told you, which I don't want him to do. And I'm Tom, Major Tom, as we've gone through with the last one. We'll see how long that lasts. Yeah, and this is, again, as we said, ground control. So the magic of the internet has spit out the letter Z as our topic choosy thingy for this episode. I was going to say this week, but we're not necessarily going to be posting this a week after the previous one gets posted. You have no idea when we're recording this. Yeah. It was interesting to me, actually, to see that we got A, and then we got Z right away. And I was thinking about it, and my brain goes in these random tangents, but I'm like, wow, if this was Greek, it'd be we'd be Alpha and Omega. We'd be like the beginning and the end. And then my brain went to Alpha, Beta, and went Alpha, Beta, Alpha, Bet. I bet that's where that word comes from, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it absolutely it is. It totally is. I did the research on it. It comes from an alphabetum, which comes from Greek alphabeta, which comes from Phoenician and Arabic. Huh. And then further back, there's Proto-Indo-European. Uh, uh. <laughs> Linguistics was not my background, although I do like it. Shit. So we got a lot of flack from people for saying um too much. So I'm going to try and not say um. We'll see how that goes. I'm still going to cut it out in post, so you're not going to say um anyway, because having had to actually edit one of these and cut those out, if I don't cut those out, we sound like a bunch of retarded baboons. Yeah, it's hard. And it's funny, because you listen to a lot of podcasts, and they don't bother. There are ones that are recorded by people who have a radio background, and they don't say um, but we don't have a professional radio background, and we're not working from a script, so it is really tricky to watch out for. I've gotten flack from people who say, well, you're an actor, you should know not to do that. When I'm acting, I'm not trying to think of the words that I'm going to say next. I've gone over them 500 times already, and someone else has written them for me. So trying to for me to actually try and say what's in my brain in a coherent manner is really hard. <laughs> yeah, it's not a conversation. And in a conversation, pauses and ums and errs have been shown to actually improve the connection between the speaker and the listener because most people can talk faster than your brain can process language coming in. So saying um gives your listener a chance to figure out what the fuck it was you just said. Yeah. So moving along, not so quickly now, but let's do a quick what we've been up to, recommendations and sort of things. 
for the since the last cast recording, I have been playing a lot of Minecraft, like absorbed in Minecraft, which is good and bad. It's a fun game, but it's still just sitting staring at a bunch of little blocks and clicking on them until they break, and then making something else out of them. But uh, the joy of being unemployed. Yeah, true enough. I haven't played Minecraft since. The server went down, because we used to have a, a multiplayer server we all played on, and haven't played since. Hoping to get that going again. For those of you who don't know, I'm starting up at school and getting a laptop pretty quick here, which means that hopefully I'll be able to turn my home computer into just a server for when people want to play, and then we can do it that way. Which is pretty cool. It's a good game, if you get a chance. If we actually do get a server running, you know, maybe we'll invite some people onto it. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, especially considering that our early audience is just going to be our friends and family anyway. Exactly. Beyond that, I've been getting a lot more running in. Went on a bigger run just the other day. 50 minutes, it was a bit of a pain. Well, not a pain. It was enjoyable. And by the end of it, I was actually felt really good. So it was just shy of 8K, right? Uh, yeah. 4.8 miles. So just a little shy of 8K. It's been a long time since I've done anything longer than a 5K. And it is. It really hits you hard. I've been doing a little more running, too. I'm on a, a build to 10 since it's been a long time since I've done a long run. So I'm building to 10. 10K or 10... 10K. 10K, cool. And I've just switched from my, my running shoes to these new Five Fingers shoes. I've gone for one 3K run in those, and felt great. Like, I practiced my stride a lot when I first started running to minimize the impact, and I think that's helped. I was told by the guy at the store, if you're going to run in these, make sure you run in the balls of your feet, not your heels, or you can damage your shins. But my stride is pretty fluid anyway because I put so much practice into it, and so I don't, there isn't a lot of impact when I run. So I think that helps. Well, it's cool. You'll have to let me know how that goes. They're a neat little shoe, and like if they do help your run and if they feel good, I definitely will want to give them a try. The way it's looking right now, probably not till next year, just because we're getting not close to the end, but we're definitely past the halfway point of when you can run outdoors in Calgary. Yeah, in Canada, it's just not realistic to, to do outdoor running past like October at the latest. Yeah, really bad. And actually, I guess we're we're tipping our hand that we're in Canada, for those of you who don't know and didn't recognize when we said that we're doing the letter Z today. And we don't have uh, British accents so, or Australian accents. To be honest, I was going to say, if you have a problem with that, well, this isn't for you, but even if you have a problem with it, please listen. It's only one cast. We, we, we need people. So I think we are out of time for our check-in section. Is that right? We're not doing too bad. We're just past... Well... I'm not going to say what we're past right now because <laughs> once I edit it, we could be down to the three-minute mark. But yeah, we're just we're good of our introduction. Yeah, you can actually see we're actually watching the screen of the of the technology, and you can actually see the um that Tom just did right there. You really grow to recognize circle. them. If anyone does any editing out there for audio or whatever, you you will look at the line as it's going, and you'll be like, "There's an um, there's an ah, there's an er." <laughs> kind of crazy. Yeah, that's some some meta humor for. I wonder if that's even funny. I don't know. I don't think it counts as breaking the fourth wall when there isn't really a fourth wall. Well, we're not playing characters. Yeah, true. So we're, we are communicating directly with the audience by the very nature of a podcast. Very true. Okay. All right, let's get into La Lettre Z. Oui. Drew, what you got going on? Okay, so Z uh, is for Zatanna. Zatanna, as you may know, is the scantily clad stage magician DC superheroine who wears the fishnet stockings and the, the sort of tuxedo top and does spells by saying words backwards or saying the effect that she wants backwards. I can't ever think of Zatanna without thinking of the one comic I read where she uses her powers on Batman and backwards it, he, she says Batman stop backwards it's Nam Tab Pots <laughs> and that's just stuck in my brain. And uh, I don't know much about the character at all and really I just wanted to use her into a, as, a, as a segue. 
So she's going to be I'm in... I'm sure she would be uncomfortable with that. <laughs> lean forward and she's got to run faster. Lean backwards and she stops. The way she dresses, I don't think she can possibly be uncomfortable with anything. <laughs> she is in Justice League Dark, which is part of the New 52, which is the DC Comics reboot. I've never been a DC Comics reader, except for the occasional issue of Batman here and there. Especially recently, I've been following Detective Comics, which Scott Snyder has been writing, and it has been fucking incredible. But the new reboot, as much as it is or isn't a reboot, I don't care, it is the sort of thing that actually has made me interested in buying DC Comics. So I have a pull list. For the first time in my life, I have a pull list at a local comic shop, and on it I have Justice League Dark, I have Wonder Woman, which is being written by Brian Azzarello, who, those of you who read comics will know, is the guy who did 100 Bullets, which yeah. is such an odd fit for Wonder Woman. I'm really excited. Yeah, you mentioned him last time, that he oh, was... Oh, did I? Any one time when you got a crime writer doing a superhero comic, it becomes an interesting kind of combination. Yeah, I have anything Scott Snyder is writing except Swamp Thing. Apparently, I just found out he's writing Swamp Thing in the reboot, but the, I don't care about Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing comics? Well, I guess during Brightest Day, they brought Swamp Thing back, and now he's in the core DC universe, not just in Vertigo, and so there's all kinds of stuff going on with Swamp Thing, but who cares? It's Swamp Thing. Yeah, exactly. Is it, you know, but then again, Scott Snyder writing it. I might pick up an issue and see if it's any good. The only thing I know of from Swamp Thing is that the one character in Swamp Thing, the guy Rick, dies, and then Neil Gaiman stole him and made him the crow in Sandman. Yes. Yeah, and that was during the, I guess, the Alan Moore era, which was the character-defining arc, blah, blah, blah. Which was the scary cave troll man era. <laughs> and hey, there was some kind of crazy hallucinogen sex thing, which is how Swamp Thing ended up in Vertigo in the first place. Huh. It got a little bit too racy for mainstream DC. Now, one of the only times I've ever seen anything with Zatanna is, um, I have the comic, The Identity Crisis Trade, right. which is which focuses a lot more on the smaller Justice League characters, smaller in being the not Batman, not Green Lantern, not, well, Green Lantern a little bit, not Superman, but, and, and focusing basically on the idea that these pe there are these people who don't have huge powers or lots of money, like they, there's Green Arrow, and there's there's other ones who have to protect their secret identity really closely. Yeah. Um, so sometimes they do underhanded things, things we would consider underhanded or immoral, in order to keep their themselves secret. And one of the things is they, Zatanna will brainwash people who find out their secret identities who, or who come too close and like erase parts of their memory. And it's, it's very dark and it's like, the, the members keep it from the more moralistic characters, they keep it from Superman, they keep it from Batman. They keep it from these ones who would have a huge problem with it. Yeah, that's really, really sketchy. It is. The book itself is... It's a lot darker than some comics you would think. Like, it deals with um, rape. Uh, one one villain rapes a hero's wife at one point. There's there's death. There's a lot of characters' families die. That's the one where Tim Drake's dad dies, actually. Captain Boomerang kills him. Okay. Which is one of the most ignoble deaths you could give a person, honestly. But, Lame. Um, yeah, it's, it's a little darker than you would expect from it. And... Zatanna features, she doesn't feature, it's Green Arrow is telling most of what's going on, but she features as one of the, the enablers, basically. She's how they're able to mess with people's brains and erase parts of it and try and change them, try and make them, they, they try at one point to make a villain not a villain, to erase that part of his brain. And it's, it's a very Charles Xavier kind of thing, like what he does in the Ultimate Universe with Magneto, right. tries to erase that piece of him, but it doesn't quite go right because... Zatanna's just a circus magician in a one-piece, I guess. So. <laughs> well, I think she has real magic, but... But, I mean, for some reason it doesn't go well with her, the brain of the character. Dr. Light is the one that they're messing with. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot about 
identity crisis and very little of it positive. So, okay, so what do you got? What do I got? First thing I guess we can jump right into is Z is for zombies. And if you're listening to this, you probably know a lot about zombies already. You know that for one thing, they're, they permeate our culture right now. The idea of World War Z or a Z event, Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. What else am I thinking of? Zombie Land. Shaun of the Dead, like, zombies are, especially if you play video games, zombies are everywhere. If you're a geek, you've probably gotten drunk and discussed your zombie defense plans, which you're going to do <laughs> once the undead inevitably rise. And if you go back, if you know our secret previous podcast, actually, we, we outed ourselves. We outed ourselves last time. Last time. And I'll probably go and grab our old casts and put them in, like, an archive here on the, the new site, just so that they're there if you want to take a look at them. Sure, so if you check out our old podcast, then, we did an interview with the director of the Bureau for Zombie Research and Defense here in Calgary, and we talked about our zombie survival strategy during that interview. It was a good interview. Now, the zombie, the Bureau for Zombie Research and Defense, they do zombie training, or they did. I know you guys got to actually go to one of them, where you go to laser tag and there's zombies and you have to try and survive as long as you can and keep other people alive. I never got a chance to go. It was a lot of fun, except probably not so much fun for the girl who ran into a wall and lost her tooth, Ooh. or the girl that I rounded a corner with my gun at chest height and she was a head shorter than me, so she took my gun in her nose. Oh, jeez. Usually you have to pay for that. <laughs> Just now, Tom held up his hand to tell me to stop, and I high-fived him because I was confused. <laughs> Man, I always high-five people when they when they smack women in the face, apparently. <laughs> oh. I would like to just denote that I do not do that, and I in no way condone violence against anyone. And I'd like put that I, out there. And I'd like to point out that he's single, ladies. <laughs> And I was trying to check their website to see if we could find out when the next training was. Because it's something I'd actually like to do if we get a chance, and I'm sure anyone out there who listens to this might be interested in giving them a shot. But I can't really find any information on them recently. The Facebook page is up, but there's no real recent news or what's going on or what their next plans are. As far as I can tell, the last training session was in 2009. So, Which clearly isn't the case, because we did one last winter. We did one in the winter of 2010. Was it the winter of sure. 2010? Okay. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Um, Hopefully they haven't been overtaken by the very thing they fight. And the whole premise is that they have captive zombies that they use as part of the training program. So if their failsafes broke down, that's, you know... That could be, like, very 28 days later. Yeah, sort of an in-fiction possibility. Actually a little afraid for the guys. So there's them. Another zombie event that goes on in Calgary is the Calgary Zombie Walk. Oh, but you know what? I actually know they're okay, because Joshua... Hoiberg, Hoiberg, I forgot how to pronounce his name. He's the guy who runs it. He, he's who we did the interview with. I saw some of his artwork, because he's an art, professionally he's an artist. I saw some of his artwork at a show at Art Central in April. Oh, okay. So he's, at, le at least as of April, he was still alive. Okay, well, his artwork was still around, at least. That's true. Yeah, I, I don't think I actually saw him there. You know how it goes with artists, right? They die, their stuff goes up in price. Yeah. I'm sure if you put up a sign, artist devoured by zombies, that thing's going to skyrocket. <laughs> We can only hope. But the Calgary Zombie Walk, which is something that a lot of big cities do. I know Vancouver does it. I know Toronto does one. Yeah, yeah. People with nothing better to do put on zombie makeup and wander through the streets. And when, when Tom brought this up to me earlier in the pre-show discussion, I was like, really? People still do the zombie walk? But I guess they're getting bigger every year. Yeah, it's it's a big thing. I've never actually taken taken part in it. Although I did get dressed up as a zombie once to go and see a play about zombies here in town. Lindsay and I went and saw For the Love of the Zombie two years ago, which a couple of our friends did as a fringe show. And um, 
I'd like to say we did it in support, but you got five bucks off. You dressed up as a zombie, and I'm cheap as all can be. So. You know, I would be more into zombie walks if they did them at night. That would be scarier, if nothing else. Because, yeah, to do it during the day, it's just this brightly colored... I don't know, it just seems more garish yeah. and campy than macabre if you do it during the day. True enough. And I think the thing is, it doesn't really appeal to anyone who's not a part of it. Oh, look, there's people wandering around going, grr. Like, anyone who's actually downtown, for whatever reason, just wants to avoid it, for yeah. the most part. Yeah. There would probably be a critical mass effect if you could get enough people doing it that people might actually come out to watch it. You know what I think would be awesome, though? And if anyone involved with the zombie walk is listening, if you can convince Mayor Nahid Nenshi to dress up as a zombie yeah. with you this year, I will be there. If if he is to... He'll Twitter it if he's going to do it, because that Nenshi's always on Twitter. He got called out by Shatner for being on Twitter too much. <laughs> That's right. If he does do it, I will be there. 100%. I will make the time to go to the zombie walk if I get to see Nenshi in zombie, uh, zombie makeup. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. So Z is for zombies. Yeah. You got anything else? I did, and now... Oh, yes. Uh, so Z is also for Z-Man Games. Now, that's kind of bizarre, because it's Z and Z, and there's some of our Canadian-ness showing. So Z-Man Games are the creators of really high-quality board games. One that many of our listeners will probably have heard of is Pandemic. A Pandemic... You know, I wonder if that's true. What's that, that they've heard of Pandemic? No, that, that Pandemic is actually a game that they made and I'm not just misremembering that because that would be really funny to start talking about a game that they didn't actually actually do it yeah well Pandemic is an awesome game it is and I guess even if we're wrong let's just talk about Pandemic sure oh here it is yes it is actually them it is them cool so Pandemic is a cooperative board game so by cooperative I mean everybody plays together rather than against each other and you win or lose as a team the premise is that you're all members of essentially a CDC or similar type organization, and there are four crazy illnesses that are sprouting all over the the planet, and they're represented by blue, yellow, red, and black, black yeah. tokens. You, and usually when, when we play, every, we decide what disease we're going to be, so usually the black person is the black death. I think red is usually herpes. But... Yeah. <laughs> it changes depending it changes. on what kind of mood we're yeah. on that day. Or how much we've had to drink. Yes, uh, that is a big factor. And you basically play cards and you move around, and each of the the characters will have a special ability, so one guy can move other players on his turn, and one of the other people can move themselves around the board faster and stuff. And you try and and halt the spread of these diseases before a variety of preset loss conditions come into play. So it's it's a lot of fun. Check it out on Board Game Geek or anywhere. Go to your local game store. It's usually around 50 bucks to pick it up. There's an expansion called On the Brink, which I haven't played, but apparently adds trader mechanics. Uh, oh, cool. So a big thing in the last probably five or ten years in board games has been cooperative games with a trader, where one player is actively trying to sabotage everyone else. Oh, bastards. Yeah, Shadows Over Camelot is probably one of the biggest ones that I remember, one of the first ones that had it. That's where I first remember seeing it, too. It's kind of broken there, though, because... Yeah, if you play with the trader in Shadows, the trader is so powerful that, it, you know, I guess it's a, it's a, it's a high-level challenge. If you can still win... When there's a trader, yeah, then good on you. If you are playing with the trader, it's actually in your benefit not to unmask him because he gets way more powerful, and things just turn right against you. So even if you know who the trader is, you just let him go because he can't do half the stuff that he can do once he actually gets unmasked. Yeah, the damage that the trader can do 
as far as ending the game, bringing the game to a loss, once he's been unveiled as the traitor, is a lot more to overcome than the penalty, the end game penalty for not having unmasked the traitor. Yeah, which is strange because you think it would be opposite. You'd think that if you haven't unmasked the traitor, that he would be able to do a lot more damage. But for some reason, it's been flipped. Yeah, the Battlestar Galactica board game has traitor mechanics that are not only really really strong, but of course, Battlestar Galactica being a game or show rather about trust. The traitor mechanics in that board game really fit the theme of the show in a very strong kind of way. In Shadows Over Camelot, you know you're the traitor right away. You get your card dealt to you. And in Battlestar Galactica, you've got your first traitor. If you're a traitor right off the bat, you'll know it. Like if you're a, a human sympathizer or whatever. But you can get dealt later on and discover that you were actually a Cylon in a sleeper agent the whole time. Yeah. Suddenly you're a traitor, so everything you've done before was actually acting against what you're doing now. Yeah, it deals with the bootstrapping problem that a lot of board games have where one player or team will get so far ahead in the early game that there's just no chance of stopping their victory by the end game. But in the BSG board game, because there's a trader card dealt at the beginning and then halfway through there's a second set of cards dealt out, not only can you discover that you've been a Cylon all along, if you are a Cylon, you can find out that or you can become a human sympathizer. Right. And so you're, depending on who's winning, the humans or the Cylons, at the halfway point, you, the game re-jigs re the balance between the two teams. Yeah. So we're way off Pandemic, and way off Z-Man. <laughs> Z-Man Z -Man game? Well, they're American, so I'll give uh, them the benefit of their own pronunciation. Just, it feels weird in my mouth to say it that just, way. Just pretend that there's Z-E-E, -E, Z-Man. Ah, uh, okay. All right, I'll go with that. So we're way off topic again. That's okay. I, is I, what we do. I think I, ooh, I'm going to stutter for a bit here. Okay. I think as we proceed with this letter show idea, I think there will be a lot more of that segueing, using the oh, letter just I'm to sure. get in the door, and then and then going sideways with it. We've already done it three or four times. We've only had two casts. So. <laughs> yeah, and uh, there's not a lot. If you pick something really narrow and stay focused on it, how much time can you really burn up, right? Yeah, very true. So I'll pass back to you. What else is Zed for? Zed is for zebras. Zebras and their hybrid offsprings, which are known by many different names, including there are zebroids, zedonkeys, zebra mules, zebrules, zorses, and there's also zebra heinies or donkras. Just to name a few, there's so many... It's basically one of the things that's not really set, so anytime anyone comes across a zebra something hybrid, zebra mule, zebra donkey, zebra horse, zebra whatever, they'll either make up a new name for it, or they'll just grab a hold of something else or something that's funny. It's really kind of crazy. So, to start with zebras first off, sorry. Well, I was just going to ask, does zebroid cover the category generally of zebra hybrids? Generally, especially on Wikipedia. If you look for a zebra hybrid, it's going to be under zebroid. Right. But they'll list all the different names as well. Right. And the reason I ask that is because something in English that really bugs me, and the news is really bad for this, the, the suffix oid, O-I-D, means something that appears to be this, but is not this. So when you see the term android, for example, that literally means something that appears to be a man, but is not a man. Okay. Because um, andros is the Greek for man. Right. Um, and that's why I didn't say human, because specifically it, the word means man. -like. Man, right. So the one that is really annoying is factoid, because a factoid 
when the word first started to be used, meant something that appears to be a fact, but is not a fact. See, a nautho, a factoid, is usually, like, just, they'll oh. just use it to say, this is a smaller fact. Yeah. To, yeah. And I mean, okay, language changes, the words change meanings, and that's generally okay, but it's something that bugs me, because that was a really useful word, or would have been a really useful word in its original usage. Yeah. No. And that we don't have a word for that. Well, we call it lies. But, yeah, that's true. But this is specifically a kind of lie that looks like a fact. You know, that's presented like a fact. Something you would use in Balderdash yeah, if you were it, playing a game. It's like the Stephen Colbert concept of truthiness. It's something that <laughs> seems like the truth, but isn't actually the truth. Or the, what is it Mitchell and Webb use? Nutrice, which sounds like nutrition, but isn't. <laughs> anyway, sorry, back to zebras. No, no worries. Uh, back to zebras. Okay, so, uh, they're African equids. They live in small harems to large herds. Or harems, I guess. I think you can go either way with that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like all uh, the best harems, dude. Like all the best. So, yeah. so uh, are they um, uh, polygynous or, or polyandrous? Like, the harems, are those one male with a variety of females? One, the, males, the harems are usually one male with six to seven females. Okay. Herds will be larger, and it, it varies because there's three different types of zebras not normally. Really? There was a fourth, or three main types. There was a fourth. No, sorry. There, there's only the three. There's plain zebras, mountain zebras, and grevy zebras, which when I first read it looked like gravy zebras, which oh, was okay. kind of strange. <laughs> mountain and grevy are endangered. Plains are much more numerous. Those are the ones you see in the National Geographic specials about Africa and the big herds running across the savannah. Yeah, and there's, t there's still lots of them around. Although the Quagga, which was a subspecies of the plains, is extinct. Hmm. Were they were they delicious? Is that why? I assume so. Right. Almost everything that went extinct was either delicious or stupid, <laughs> and I'm going to stick to that no matter what Peta says. <laughs> Seriously, ladies, snatch this one up. I'm glad I'm the one who gets to edit these. All right, just quickly here because we're running low on time. Something for our old listeners is we've now switched editing duties because I'm just way too bloody busy to do it these days. And right now I'm in unemployed, so once school starts, we'll see what happens. You might get That's less true. frequent podcasts, but... And we can always, you know, trade off. Yeah. So, there's many different subspecies within there. Now, unlike horses, donkeys, mules, all the other kind of equines, zebras have never been really domesticated. Yeah, I've heard they can be tamed, but there's something about it that they just, they're resistant to domestication. Yeah, even when you have, like, if you have two tamed zebras and they have they have children, even, like, generations down, you are still doing the same thing. You're still only taming them. You never actually have domesticated zebra stock. Right. And I don't know why it is, and their science really isn't quite certain either. It's something to do with just the way they're made up. Yeah, there's a section on domestication of animals in Guns, Germs, and Steel, which talks about why early human civilization started in the Middle East rather than in Africa where humanity first emerges and they talk, well, Jared Diamond the writer talks a fair bit about how having access to what would become cows and what would become horses in the Middle East really helped humanity become stable civilization huh. whereas in Africa the most similar animals they had access to were zebras and they just could not be domesticated and the elephants were too big, so we didn't get to domesticate those until we had proper tools and things. We would have been so much more awesome if we domesticated elephants. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, they people did. You know, even today, they're still used in, in India and in parts of Africa for labor and also in Southeast Asia. Very true. Okay, a couple other quick things here. So never been domesticated, can be tamed. Now, to get back to the hybrids, it's really kind of crazy. 
take a look. If you get a chance, look up pictures of zebra hybrids, zebras, zonkeys, or whatever, zorses. Zorses. There were actually zebra horses in the Moose Jaw Zoo, our wild animal park. Okay. So we actually saw them, and they basically just look like horses with zebra-like stripes. So they're brown, and they've got dark brown stripes in among the light brown kind of coat. Yeah, but you look at some, and there's one picture where it looks like it's a horse body, like horse coloring, a palomino coloring, but the head is completely zebra, like striped, black and white stripes. Wow. And there's another picture I saw of a zebra donkey cross where it's like a donkey upper body with like a zebra mane and zebra leggings. The legs are black and white stripes. That is bizarre. I I think I remember reading recently uh, that... I can't remember if it was like the first time they'd successfully bred a zebra and a donkey. Okay. Or if it was the first time, because normally these hybrids are sterile. Not always, but pretty much guaranteed thing. That yeah, they're going to wind up being sterile. So maybe this was the first time they'd ever managed to breed two zedonkeys to each other. Okay. But I think the infant died. Or something. anyway, Google it. I, I can't remember the details. Usually, it's a zebra stallion and. Uh, the f- a female of whatever species they're breeding between. Although there have been times when they've got the zebra hindies or the donkras, as they're called. And donkra <laughs> just sounds like a Godzilla villain to it me. Does. <laughs> oh no, the donkras attacking Tokyo! <laughs> so those two names are used when it was a donkey male and a zebra female. Okay. And they're not, again, it's very rare that that happens. Usually, if it's a zebra female and anything else, the infant dies or it's just they're not compatible. Hmm. No young born. And one thing I came across that I have to mention because it really popped out to me is the Tijuana zebra. Well, <laughs> this could potentially go to a dark place. That's why it jumped out at me because I'd also just recently seen Clerks 2. So. <laughs> the Tijuana zebra show. What it actually is, is that Tijuana zebra or Tijuana zonkey is a donkey that's been painted with zebra stripes. Uh, and apparently they're quite popular. They originally did it for old black and white footage. Donkeys would not show up well. Okay. What? No, zebras. No, because they're, Tijuana doesn't have any zebras, naturally. <laughs> of course they don't. Donkeys in Tijuana are generally white. They're a very light color. Okay. So in black and white photographs, they appeared ghostly. They would appear very kind of blurred out. Oh, weird. So they'd paint them with black or like around the edges and like stripe them so that they would show up in the photos. That's mental. And now it's just become a thing. They would just like airbrush their zebras <laughs> or their donkeys. And now it's just become a thing. People come, from, like tourists come just to see the Tijuana zebra show. Weird. Uh... That reminds me, there was, and this is something that I guess was hotly debated for a while, and maybe ultimately I think Snopes uncovered it, which was that Mr. Ed was actually a zebra? Now, we had a big argument about this one time drinking, because Snopes has two stories about this. Oh, okay. Because there's one big one where they say, yes, he is, and they give all these these details, and there's a shorter story in another section where they say, no, it wasn't. And this is at least what I found with Snopes, is like they've got two contradicting articles so far apart that you can't find one at the same time as you find the other. Weird. So you get arguments of people who found one and arguments of people who found the other and they're like, no, Snopes says, no, Snopes says this. (laughs) So yeah, if there's anyone out there who can conclusively prove this, because it doesn't seem very likely, especially if zebras can't properly be domesticated, like you would have to sedate the stupid thing to properly shoot the show. I honestly have no idea. And what would the value of it be to use a zebra rather than a horse. I don't know. It was there's. It's a very convincing argument when you read the one that they used him. But when you're not reading it and you're thinking about it, you're like, wouldn't it just be simpler to use a horse? Yeah. And if you have a zebra, a talking zebra, like if that's if that's your premise, that's way more interesting than a talking horse. Very so just true. go with the talking zebra. <laughs> 
All right. Well, that's all I got. Zed is for zebras, and we're running out of time here. So yeah. I guess we should end this off. So in conclusion, Zed is for zombies. Zed is for pandemic, somehow, <laughs> via Z-Man Games. Uh, Zed is for Zatanna. And Zed is for zebras, as you've just heard, along with Zedonkeys and Zorses and other stuff. And Donkra. Somehow. Donkra. <laughs> Zed is for Donkra. <laughs> if we ever become famous, that's going on a t-shirt. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Yes. Uh, Twitter. I'm at Deadly Tuke on Twitter. I am at Captain Sask. This show has an email now? It does have an email. Uh, if you want to send us an email, we are at woodpaneledspaceshuttle at gmail.com. And I will put a link for that on the site, because if you've got this podcast, then you obviously were at the site, so you'll have it there. Uh, we will hopefully... Maybe... But if you find this this podcast outside of the site, the podcast site is also woodpaneledspaceshuttle.tumblr.com. Yeah. There's, R- there's an RSS on the site, and maybe we'll get a site Twitter going, but honestly, it's all I can do to keep my Twitter updated sometimes with inane crap going on in my life so we'll see how that works great uh so take care of yourselves and we will see you on our next orbit around actually we'll see you at all this is radio (laughs) well we'll see you from thirteen thousand feet above in the shuttle yeah good night everybody later